All right, if you will, please take your Bibles and open them. The book of Revelation chapter 19. And this morning, in light of the fact that we have, in light of the fact that we have a very special day, special meal going on, I thought it would be good for us to look at a very, very um, special passage, a passage that ties in the concept of a meal. And there are several passages in the Bible that deal with meals, and I had a few in the past that we've looked at before. And this is the first time we're going to look at Revelation chapter 19, and it is a passage regarding a wedding, and, and, and specifically a wedding and the subsequent supper. And so Revelation chapter 19, and if you have your bulletin and you're visiting, know that in the bulletin there are sermon notes. I t- typically try to give those every week because it's my hope and desire that people do take notes. They do have um, a sense of the fact that what I'm teaching is coming directly from the Bible. One of the things that we really stress here is right teaching leads to right living. And when it's all said and done, you will see that when we go through Revelation 19 and then Revelation um, 22, you'll see that we are trying to give the sense of the passage and not trying to force something on it. So you'll see that, hopefully, with the idea that right teaching leads to right living. And so I want you to um, understand that as I point that out about our church, because our church, I believe, has a lot to offer. I love our church, and it's a church that has stood on the Word of God, like I said, since 1931. And I'm hoping you'll see that in our passage today. It's a great passage um, because it deals with the end of human history, where all of human history is going. And perhaps um, you'll be in a very favorable place when this comes about. Look at Revelation chapter 19. I want to read our text in verses 1 and 2. And it says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice with a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power to our God. That's Revelation 19, verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, talk to me afterwards. I can get you a Bible afterwards. Um, But obviously during the service you won't have one. I can read. um, I'm going to be reading these texts out loud so that you'll be able to understand where we're at. Verse 2. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality and has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And this is a verse that's coming at the end of the tribulation, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But it's a time, it's a time when God has said, enough is enough to the world. One of the things that um, we like to portray is that God is a loving and kind and gracious God. And he is, but he's also a holy God. And throughout all of human history, he's been trying to tell mankind, you need to get right with me. You need to get right with me. And perhaps maybe you've not heard specifically about the tribulation. Let me just tell you, it's a time where God has said, enough is enough. He is basically saying to humanity, I've been kind, I've been nice to you. And sort of like, have you ever had somebody where you, you, you keep bending over backwards and you're gracious and you're gracious and you're kind to them and finally they keep taking advantage of you and taking advantage of you and you say, well, enough is enough. And maybe you start, you talk a little sterner to them. You talk with a little higher voice and maybe sometimes you don't give them the favors that you used to give them. Sort of the tribulation is like that because it's a time when God is saying to mankind, listen, 
I'm in essence going to have to give you a little spanking because, and it's more than a little bit spanking because I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to get you to understand that time is coming to an end. And, and, and when we come to our passage here in verse 7, it, it basically almost has. Earth as we know it will be almost finished. There's only one other event, and we'll read that in a second. Look at chapter 19, verse 7, because now it's time for the wedding supper. The wedding and then the supper. Verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in the linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the words, true words of God. Verse 10. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours, and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And this is a prophecy, this entire section, because it's not yet occurred. It hasn't happened yet. But it's an exciting time. It's the marriage of the Lamb, verse 7. The Lamb, throughout the book of Revelation, it's clear it's Jesus Christ. And, and we're going to look at this passage as about his marriage. And if you have your sermon notes in front of you, you see that I said, come to the wedding or else suffer. Suffer. And I am inviting you to this wedding or else you will suffer. That is a very accurate statement. I have an illustration for you today. I think um, I find it very poignant. I think it's something that hopefully will stick with you all of your life. I think this is a very good illustration dealing with the idea of being invited to an event, invited to a party, and seeing the fact that if you don't go, you'll suffer. All right? We've all been invited to parties, been invited to events. That if we would go, if we would um, not go, someone will come back later and say, oh my goodness, you should have been at that wedding. They offered the best steaks, the best fillets. It was an incredible wedding event. You should have been there. The band was unbelievable. They were handing out these party favors or someone else has another type of event and and you you hear about it later. Someone will come by and say, you should have gone. We've all had events like that, haven't we? Absolutely. Well, here, I have the wedding you don't want to miss. If someone can grab the lights for me. This is an event. This is a true story. Okay? This man, if you can't see him very well, is a guy that grew up in our church. He is Dan Mosier, and this is his wife, um, Debbie. And this is their grandchildren. And this is a story about Dan and Debbie. And they were invited to a wedding. Dan lives now in northwest Indiana, and he is a businessman in our area, and he was invited to his nephew's wedding. Remember the whole concept? You're invited to an event, a wedding, and you don't want to miss it, right? So the wedding was in Boston, Massachusetts, and most of us could say, man, Boston, I'd love to go there, but it's a long trip. And yet, Dan said, it's for my nephew, I'm going to go. So this is in Boston, Massachusetts. This is the day before the wedding, okay? 
This is at the wedding. This was a bad picture. It was kind of blown out, but they were at the wedding, and you can see Dan and Debbie are very happy. They're, okay? The wedding turned out very nice. Beautiful bride, handsome groom, okay? And you can see Debbie back there, and you can see Dan, and they were just excited. The groom got to dance a little bit with the, um, one of the kids. People are having fun, okay? There's Dan. You can see Debbie back there, all right? There's, again, dancing at the wedding, all right? Debbie's happy. Dan's happy. This is their daughter, Dana, and granddaughter. This is the last 10 minutes that Debbie is smiling. In 10 minutes, Dan and Debbie are going to be on the dance floor. Dan is going to do a little move, and he's going to hear a thud. And he's going to turn around, and Debbie's going to be dead. Debbie's going to be dead. By God's grace, by God's grace, Dan's son, Derek, has been in school. And he's at this wedding. He's come a long distance. And he's at this wedding, and guess what he's just studied at school? CPR. At this wedding, at this wedding, the bride has just met a man, has just met a man who's a paramedic in Denver, Colorado. Where's the wedding? Boston. For some reason, when she says, come to my wedding, he comes. (laughs) She's just met him like six months ago. They're at a location that has a defibrillator. (laughs) So when Dan turns around, he picks his wife up. There's no heartbeat. There's no pulse. He thought she slipped. I want to get the exact term, what she had. She had a, what she had was sudden cardiac arrest. She didn't have a stroke. She didn't have a heart attack. She had sudden cardiac arrest. Within seconds of having the arrest, the wedding guest, who was an experienced paramedic, not sure what the difference, Dan says, what between that and EMT is, started to do CPR. He was from Denver, and he begins, he cracks her ribs, he begins to put the automated external defibrillator on her because they have it there within seconds. She was in V-fib, first shock, nothing, second shock. She goes to A-fib, her heart begins beating, she's breathing again. Because they're in a location that's close to the hospital, they get her to the hospital. And here she is, and she's giving me permission to show all these. But she comes back to life, and she's alive today. And here she is a month later, sadly, at an Alabama football game (laughs) with her son Derek. And there's, okay? My point is, if you get the lights now, is I want you to understand, Dan told me that this story, this happened one month ago, a month, month and a half ago. And Dan was telling me this, and I'm going to tell you more about this at the end of the sermon, is that, is that if they didn't accept that wedding invita- invitation, Debbie dies. Because if she has a heart attack where they live here in northwest Indiana, if she has that heart attack, or that cardiac arrest, sudden cardiac arrest, she wouldn't have had anybody to do CPR. She wouldn't have had anybody to do the machine. She could have had it, and Dan been in the same room with Dan, but he wouldn't have been able to react and get the, all the care. It was all because she accepted it. 
and she lives. The point and application I want to make to each one of you is, today I'm inviting you to a wedding, and unless you accept my wedding invitation, you will suffer. Some consequence will come to you. And I want you to see what the scripture talks about in regards to this wedding. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 19, verse 7, if you're not there. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. And fill in the blank, if you've got your sermon notes, you will be blessed at this wedding with the word blessed. God wants you to have a relationship with Christ. Fill in the blank with the word Christ. You see, in verse 7, as we come, as we see, there is incredible joy as we come to this event. The book of Revelation is a book about how human history has ended and has come to an end. God has brought what's called the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments. They are increasing in intensity. These are all events that were written 2,000 years ago that if you were to study them, study them, you'd be absolutely in marvel of how we now have the technology and the ability to bring all of them to fruition to the extent that, from a human perspective, we can. It's an amazing study. And in all of it, what is happening is God is trying over and over and over to say to mankind, pay attention, listen to me, turn to me. But the problem is, as we all have heard before, all have sinned, all fall short of the Bible, you know, all fall short of the glory of God. And the reality of that is, is that mankind knows about God, but they don't want anything to really interfere with their life. And what God, what God is doing in the tribulation is saying, please wake up, turn around, because this judgment is serious, and my, my son's wedding is about to come. And my invitation to you is to be the bride. Look, verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now, I don't know if, if, you know, if you're catching this metaphor, if everyone's excited to hear about this. But listen, men, you're encouraged to be a bride. <laughs> All right. We're not talking a Caitlyn Jenner thing here. This is a metaphor that God is talking about the church of Jesus Christ, the people who become believers, can have a relationship with him. And, and it's an interesting concept because what God has done through human history is when he's designed life, he designed marriage to picture this relationship. All right? So it's not that anything weird for guys and obviously even for women, but it's the idea that we are going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to turn you to a couple passages, and if you don't, again, if you don't have a Bible, just listen to these. Ephesians chapter 5, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, God is discussing how husbands need to love their wives, and, you know, it's one of the best passages in all of Scripture about what God expects in a marriage. That is the biblical view of husbands and wives. Husbands need to be loving their wives. And as God is explaining this in verse 31, he explains, for this reason, in Ephesians chapter 5, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. 
And the mystery here is explained is that basically when God set up humanity, he knew that they were going to fall. He knew that there was going to be sin. And he knew that there was going to be a way to redeem them through Jesus Christ. And it's not just rich, religious ritual. It's not just how much money you give to a church or you get a baptism certificate. It's do you have a relationship with him pictured like a marriage? And, and, and so the people who become believers and go into the, the spiritual church, not just a physical church, but the spiritual church of Jesus Christ, have this relationship. And one other passage so that you see that, how this is being elaborated, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is a passage where the Apostle Paul is concerned about false teaching, false religions. And you know that's always our concern here. That's one of the things that makes us different as a church. We strive to have the Bible accurately taught. And in 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul is talking about false teachers. And he's, but in his discussion, he says this, I wish that you would bear with me in a little fool, foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you. He's jealous because he cares for them. When last week we did a study on jealousy, there, there are some positive and righteous ways to be jealous. And here Paul manifested. He goes, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I may present you as a pure virgin. Now betrothed isn't a word that we use, but it's a form of engagement. And, and the, what he's trying to say to, to the church and what's true of the church is that the, tr the church of Jesus Christ is engaged to Jesus. And, and as we come back to the book of Revelation, if you'll go back there, when we come to Revelation 19, a time in the future could be seven years from today, the wedding has come. So look at verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. So as he goes on, he says, It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The idea here is when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you can now be presented before God in like righteous clothing we can we all get that we understand there's good clothes there's bad clothes you know you're going to go out and work um digging ditches you're going to wear work clothes but in god's eyes there's also this picture sometimes of the clothes that we have before him and you need the right clothing in heaven and then it gets even manifest even better as you serve him well the church has the right clothing on it verse 9 then he said to me right Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and, the, and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And like I said, this is a, a future event. And, and he says, blessed are those who are going to come to the supper. Well... The supper is a very interesting event. We'll look at, study that in a second. But you first and foremost want to be at the wedding. Because the, the wedding is the event that kicks off the supper. And the only people that are, in essence, invited to the wedding are the people who have become believers in Jesus Christ on earth before they die. So the idea here is 
for everyone here to make sure that they're truly born again, that they're believers in Jesus Christ, that they have a relationship with him, that they are, in essence, the bride. You come to that realization when you finally say, you know what, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to turn from my sin. We call it repenting and believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he was God and man who died on the cross for your sins. Like Many people in America have heard that, but they continue to live the way they want. And so I tell them that they haven't turned, they haven't repented. But for the people that do, the people that do, you end up in this relationship where you're born again, and it's an incredible relationship. It's a relationship that's born out of love. There's a great verse that we love in the scriptures. It's John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, it's interesting for those of us who love to study Greek language, that word perish is a word that means lose everything. You see, when I said come to the wedding or suffer, God has already said, if you don't come to this wedding, you lose everything. Debbie would have died. Well, stayed dead. She did die. They brought her back to life. It's ironic, you can even say in the Bible, there is a description where it says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And the only way to be brought back to life on a spiritual plane is for you to turn back to Jesus Christ. And unless you turn to him, you will stay dead spiritually, and when you physically die, it becomes permanent. And, and like I said, God is gracious right now. He's telling people all around the world through churches like ours, through believers that are at our church, that you need to turn, you need to believe. And perhaps you've heard this message before and nothing's really prompted you, but maybe today something's working in your heart that you're going to turn. And we're hoping today that you would turn because the warning goes out to each and every one of us that unless you come to this wedding supper, you're in trouble. Fill in the blank with the second you are warned about the wedding supper because as we go into chapter 19, verse 11, the wedding supper begins and the first part of it is really hard to deal with, even for believers. Chapter 19, verse 11, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And we believe this is Jesus Christ. Through a study of Revelation, you come to this point, it, just like he's referenced throughout the book as the Lamb, he is the one who is righteous. He is the one that is faithful and true. Verse 12, his eyes are a flame of fire, on his head are many diadems, he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a white robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ is the, the Word because it's the embodiment of all right reason, all logic that represents God. And, and Jesus Christ is coming back. He's had the wedding. There's been, a, in essence, a... And if the, 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 the marriage is now complete. And for us who are believers, we've been betrothed, but now there is a sanctification and a glorification that takes us to a new level. And, and, and so 
Verse 14 and the armies in heaven which are in he- the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean were following him on white horses from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of, his, of God the almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has names written king of kings and lord of lords then i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, come, assemble for the great supper of God. This is the wedding feast. So that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the, on the horse and against his army. And this is the official, like the, the end, the battle of Armageddon, the beast was sealed, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in the pre- his presence, which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image, and those who were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And you say, whoa, this is worse, worse than any Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> For those of you who remember the birds, I think a 1960-61 movie. I mean, this sounds really hard. Would God really do this? Is that the loving, kind God that, you know, a lot of people have pictures of Jesus holding a little lamb? This isn't the image, and this isn't the view that I have of Jesus. This isn't my view. My God is a loving, kind, gracious. He never would do anything like this. I believe these are literal birds. I believe this is a little judgment. Later, if we had a... I think maybe in January we're going to do a study on end times that just encourage you to come back. One of the interesting end times passages deals with the fact that I believe this event could be tied to an event where they bury the dead for seven months. They bury the people that these birds attack. But this is just the physical death and the physical judgment, people. It goes worse because if you just jump over into chapter 20, verse 15, when Jesus is all said and done with all of human history, we see this event in in chapter 20, verse 11. And it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Do you know that right now every one of you is writing a book for your life, what you've done, who you are. God knows everything that you've done. And it will not be a judgment where it's inaccurate. You know, we watch murder mysteries on TV and we watch courtroom scenes play out. And we don't know sometimes if someone's really guilty or not. Right now in... Our area, northwest Indiana, there's this fantastic, very interesting murder trial going on. And there are a lot of people who believe the man killed his wife. And, and those of you who followed it ended up in a hung jury this week. And now they're going to retry it. And there are people who said, no, no, he's really innocent. I can't tell you if he's innocent or guilty. Somebody knows. God knows. But this is what I want you to understand today. In your own handwriting, somehow, some way. The testimony of your life will be presented before God. All the thoughts that you had. You know, like sometimes you do something and you didn't really, 
get caught for what you did. God will have all of that played out. So there's no escaping. So he says, he says the books were opened, and then every person will be resurrected. Every person that's in this room will be in this event. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. The second death, this is what is so critical that everyone needs to understand. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We physically die because we have sinned. Those of you who are getting older, you can see remnants of it. You're getting older. It's evidence that you have sinned. You will one day physically die. There's not anyone in this room that will not face physical death. But what you need to understand, there's a second phase of death, and that is being sent to a place called hell, and it's permanent. The Bible calls it the second death, Hades. And death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. And verse 15, if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so... This is, this is horrific. This is far worse than missing out on a wedding in Boston. This is missing out on the wedding of Jesus Christ and being blessed enough to be people that escape this coming judgment. Fill in the blank. You are invited again because as the book of Revelation comes to its end, the very end, it's like God is trying to say, please, heed my invite it's like when i would tell a friend come to this party it's going to be a blast we're going to have fun it's going to be a really good time and they said no 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 i want to stay home i want to do my xbox or i want to watch my football game i just want to stay home no come to this well whatever would be keeping you from it god is saying look don't hold on to your religiosity or your laziness or your 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 blase nature towards god because he as he's even ending the book of revelation Jesus says this, Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. You fill in the blank with the word again. Jesus says, I, Jesus, verse 16, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is saying, I've sent my angel. I want people to know this is where it's going to end up. You know, when you discipline your child and maybe you spank them or you take their toy away and they say well i didn't understand that it was really going to be this significant the penalty this is it this is what he's trying to convey it is going to be significant this tribulation is what is coming so verse 17 the spirit and i believe it's the holy spirit and the bride which is the church say come and that come is an invitation not to you but to jesus come let's get this going let's get out of this lousy world where we have isis and we have tragedies and we have cancer and we have all kinds of other diseases let's get out of this world the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who sat here say come and it's making everyone just should be saying come jesus but here's where it comes back to you and let the one who is thirsty come come where come to the relationship with jesus let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost the water without cost. Now we bring in another metaphor, another picture. It's, it's the idea of me giving you a drink but not charging you for it. And, and it's, it's out of the Old Testament. It's an imagery of you can take in Jesus Christ and it's not going to cost you anything. 
in the sense that you have to pay for it. But when you take it in, this is where you have to count the cost, is that it truly, if you truly believe it, it changes you. So, you know, you drink a Diet Coke and it's got all this caffeine in it. It's going to supercharge you. If you truly drink in Jesus Christ, he'll supercharge you. And, and we want you to all come to a relationship with Jesus so you'll be at that wedding, you'll participate in it, and you'll be blessed. And the invitation, I can just see God is just like saying, please come, please come, don't miss out. So look at the theme, come to the wedding or suffer, or you're, you'll miss out. You know, remember I told you about Dan and Debbie Mosier and how they were so thankful they accepted the wedding invite. Debbie's got a device in her now that she shouldn't ever have to suffer from her heart just stopping with that cardiac arrest the way it did. Dan was being talked to someone, someone was talking to Dan about, you know, like, aren't you so glad that all those events happened so that your wife lived? And he said, yeah, aren't you so glad that God worked it out so that you would be there and, and, and that God was able to start her heart? And he said, yeah, but Dan then said this. He said, but you all also know that I'm thankful that God stopped her heart as well. And he said, what? He said, well, God is good, was good enough to stop her heart because we know that God's in control of all things. And Dan then went on to say, he goes, I want you to also know, we truly believe God stopped Debbie's heart at that time. And the guy said, explain. And then Dan broke up, teared with me as we were talking about this. And he said, look, we were going to this wedding. We got invited to go to this wedding. And they were relatives, and a lot of the people at the wedding we knew didn't know the gospel didn't believe weren't believers in jesus christ and our prayer was that god would allow the gospel to be preached and we go to the wedding we the officiator isn't necessarily preaching the gospel other people like maybe when they're doing the toast aren't giving the gospel and our prayer somehow was somehow could the gospel get out? Because the gospel, as we read that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, is the most important thing. And so what happened was, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story, when Debbie collapsed, when Debbie collapsed, Derek, their son, said, all the Mosiers over here and all the people came over as they were praying for Debbie. He started to pray the gospel. And everyone at that wedding, good majority of the people at the wedding, heard them say, God, you are good. We know you can heal my mom, but we're thankful for the gospel. We're thankful that despite our sin, the essence of what his prayer was that despite our sin, you've sent Jesus Christ to come to die to pay the penalty for our sins. And that he rose again on the third day. And, and, and we know that everyone here has to believe. And even if my mother does not make it, we know that we'll see her again in essence because she's placed her faith in Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing. 
Debbie is going to be there no matter what happens to her in the future. So my thing to you, my challenge to you today is come to the wedding of Jesus Christ. Be the bride. It's kind of an interesting invitation. Believe in Jesus or you'll miss out on something so great. Because those people who are the bride go on into eternity, into a place called heaven. And it's not, it's not just floating on clouds. It's an incredible existence where you get to know God, and it is good, and it's not painful. And so today, our hearts go out as a church, and we say, please, come and believe. After the service, one of our elders is going to be here by the 211 room. I'll be there by the according doors before we go down to dinner. If anyone would like to talk and, and know more about having a relationship with Christ, please talk to us because we want everyone there. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, keep giving out that invitation because the wedding is coming and you don't want anyone to miss it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the incredible, credible invitation to be with Jesus. I hope, Lord, that we all understand the essence of the gospel, what's required of us, how we need to turn and believe. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us time. We've all been given time here, time to believe, time to see that the end of our sin doesn't bring any joy. We pray, God, today that all who are dead in their trespasses and sins would get something better than an AED machine, they would get the rebirth that comes from belief in Jesus Christ. We know you can do it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.